When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Kellyanne Taylor. In this series, I sit down on the Radio Times sofa with a different celebrity guest every week to talk all things telly. What do they watch? Where do they watch it? And who do they watch with? Each week, we glimpse into my guest's life as seen through the prism of TV and from the vantage point of their sofas. We also delve into their own glittering careers on screen. This week's guest is Sam Claflin, the British actor who rose to fame following his portrayal of Finnick O'Dare in Hunger Games. Since then, he has starred as the romantic lead opposite Amelia Clark in Me Before You and Lily Collins in Love, Rosie. In this episode, Sam tells me about his first ever read-through for a Hollywood blockbuster, Pirates of the Caribbean. I'll never forget being sat it, during the script read-through and Johnny Depp was to my right and Penelope Cruz was on my left and me just going like, what, what is happening? And we discuss the darkness of lockdown and how his new role in the adaptation of Taylor Jenkins Reid's Daisy Jones and the Six felt like therapy. After months of Zoom, I was very excited to interview a guest in the flesh in our studio and I managed to mangle my introduction with hilarious if slightly embarrassing consequences. Enjoy. Sam Claflin, welcome to the Radio Times podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yes, in person. In, in person. The studio, very nice flesh to flesh contact. Skin. Skin to skin. Okay. While we're ahead, okay. Kellyanne. Um, okay. okay, let's kick <laughs> off with. <laughs> Good start. Good start. Great start. <laughs> this is what happens when we're in person after Zoom after all this time. I know, I know. I'm not, I'm still I'm still getting used to seeing people flesh to flesh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> skin to skin. Um yeah. No, it's, it's it, I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Kick off with what is the view from your sofa? Talk me through your living room setup. My living room is all the furniture's pointed at the television. <laughs> um, I have to say, I, I'm 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 very lucky enough to have like a very sort of open plan kitchen living room area with like a wall in the middle of it uh, that doesn't. It basically gives you full access to the kitchen and living room. It's just like a circular area. I, I remember being a kid, and we had a very definitive living room and a very definitive kitchen. And I I went. I used to go to a friend's house and I had one of those houses where you could kind of run just run loops yeah. basically uh like a, like a like track archways rather than doors exactly um and you could just keep running for hours and so i'm i'm fortunate enough to have a house where there are there's more than one access point i guess and so my kids are very happy and i can sort of see them watching television whilst i'm cooking so that's that's, that's it really that's that's my living room it's very very simple very simple very nice what do you enjoy watching on television I, I don't feel like I watch much television, which is a really bad thing to say as an actor. <laughs> um, I, I find myself watching mostly children's television, um, and, and that usually consists of the same movie 7,000 times. Encanto, 
countless times. Toy Story, countless times. Um, in fact, recently, my kids have got this new thing where they don't like watching Toy Story 1, 2, 3, 4 in that order. They watch it backwards. So we started okay. with Toy Story 4, then watch 3, then 2, then 1. So, you know, I, I, like, to, I, like, I like to change it up and uh, uh, mix it up. I would say that's the only franchise that I think consistently has delivered four brilliant films. And none of them, I think, are better than the other. No, I, I, have, to, I have to agree with you. They, they, they are, they're timeless mm. um, as well, which is wonderful. Um, my kids absolutely love it. The graphics of Toy Story 1, you know, the CGI or the, the, the kind of animation, I yeah. suppose you, you could say, um, of the first one definitely doesn't hold up as well as the fourth. Uh, they, they, I remember seeing like a, an article online about all of the children that go to Andy's birthday party having the same face. If you, if you if you watch it back, you notice that every child has the same face when they're like getting out of the cars and they're walking and they're going, look at this present. Oh, someone bought bed sheets or whatever it is. Yeah, every child has the same face. So keep keep an eye out next time you watch Toy Story One. That's going to be a, a riveting new new find. <laughs> but this is the wonderful thing about having kids. I'm watching these movies again, yeah. and I'm like trying to do anything to make it exciting <laughs> for myself. Um, for uh, you know, um, and this the, the, yeah, this is my life now. Um, what are the TV memories that stick with you from your childhood? Is there a show that reminds you, or a film maybe that reminds you of that period? Well, I, Often it's it's film like me thinking films were way scarier than they actually are. Um, like Jurassic Park, I, I tried to watch Jurassic Park with my little boy the other day, and I mean, as soon as the T Rex comes into it, he was like, "No, no, I'm out, I'm out." But I also remember being terrified. But like watching it now, I'm like, "Oh no!" I mean, it's obviously just a puppet, you know. <laughs> like you can see that the hand. Again, this is another spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, there's a moment when the, the kids, the, the two kids in Jurassic Park are in the kitchen and I think the velociraptor comes into the doorway and you see someone's hand pushing the, oh, no. come into pushing the velociraptor's tail <laughs> down. I, I, you know, it's, it's things like that. I, I'm just nowhere near as scared as I used to be, I suppose. Uh, Jaws is, is too, 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 too much for my little boy. I, I, I can't wait to watch that with him, though, because he loves sharks, but I feel like that might be too much. But I think, yeah, I, I was terrified as a little boy, and I, I don't think I share that uh, <laughs> experience anymore. When uh, you were growing up, so you grew up in Norfolk, Yeah. Uh, what were you like as a child, and when did you kind of get the idea that you wanted to be an actor? What was that like as a child? My mum my would say that she sort of always knew that I would be an actor. Um, I think she used to watch me playing football on a Sunday and I was very dramatic about how, how I went about playing football. Um, <laughs> whether it was getting injured, whether it was letting a goal in or scoring a goal, I, I was just too much. Honestly, I, I kind of fell into it. I'd say late. Um, I was about 16 um, and I'd, I'd broken my ankle for the umpteenth time. I was just very, I was very injury prone growing up. And I think at age 16, I hadn't hit puberty yet. And all of my friends had already reached six foot, were shaving. Um, and I was still five foot two with a shaved head, kind of wondering whether this was what life was going to be for the rest of my life. Um, I, yeah, I, I just figured that maybe football wasn't, or sports wasn't for me. I always enjoyed any class at school that meant I didn't have to read or write that much. Anything nice. that was sort of physical. 
uh, and drama was the other option, basically. <laughs> like, I kind of, I loved Jim Carrey growing up, so I used to do impressions. I thought I wanted to be a, a children's TV presenter for a while. Uh, and I thought, again, drama was the, 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 the class to kind of segue into that, that field. Um, actually, I wanted to be a radio presenter as well. That was, that was another thing. Living the dream here, though. Living the dream. <laughs> you know, th- this, this is it. This is, I, I've made it. <laughs> I only became an actor to do this. Were you good at acting I, from the off? I know, I know you might say no, but... I, I don't know. Like, I don't... Or did you feel at least it came naturally? I, t- I tell you what happened. Like I, I used to pull faces a lot. Like again, Jim Carrey was my like idol. I think growing up, and I, the way that he would sort of gurn and pull a face to get a laugh. I think that I'd say things in a certain way to try and get a laugh. If it didn't, I'd then just pull a funny face afterwards and usually get a laugh. So I had quite an elasticated face. <laughs> is basically my memory of my childhood acting, but it it, it became a thing where yeah, I, I would try to just sort of steal the limelight in whatever capacity. If I, if I was in the show in part of the chorus, I would try to make myself as big as possible. <laughs> uh, it's like an attention seeker, you know? Uh, yeah, so I, I guess that's being, the, the you know, the third brother out of four. Mm, okay. I just wanted to stand out, yeah. be different. And, um, yeah, so I, th- I think, I, d- I don't know, I still wouldn't say I'm a good actor, so I, d- I don't know. I, I've been fortunate enough to get opportunities you know that that's how i would pl- put it oh we're so English. but, there, no, but there's, de- there's definitely like, i remember being at drama school and there's so many better actors than i am <laughs> like there's so many that just don't have the opportunities that i've had so i like, I, I feel very fortunate to live the life that i'm living they do say don't they they say that it is as much as it's about talent it's also just about luck it's being in the right place at the right time mm. for sure um I, like I, I mean 100 percent you know, I went. I went to a school, and so many of my peers, you know, for whatever reason, just don't didn't have the same support network as like my parents, for example. Or were they supportive of you going into? Trouble? Amazingly so. Like, um, I I remember my dad finding it difficult because I think I was the last of my four, you know, the four boys of his four boys that was playing football. So for me to kind of give up the dream. <laughs> And I'd kind of got the furthest out of all four. Uh, I think he, he was a little devastated that I wasn't going to pursue football. Um, but no, my, my mum and dad like, have always been incredibly supportive of, of not only myself, but my, I, I, you know, everyone goes, oh, you must be so proud of your boys. She's like, I'm proud of all my boys. Oh, Like, I think we're just very different. We're very different yeah. and we all have different things to offer. And I think she, she and my dad have just always been incredibly supportive of whatever we do and whatever path we've we've sort of um yeah gone down so when you went and studied at lambda yeah uh what was that like what was it like to move to london i i do you know what i i didn't go to london until i was like 17 um my family we didn't grow up with money so we never really traveled and when i mean travel we didn't no holidays i think we went camping at the local sort of beach sort of campsite you know that was our summer holidays so when when I first went to London, uh, that was when it was kind of confirmed for me. I, I don't know what it was. Ever since I was young, I always wanted to move to London. And then when I, as I said, when I visited it for the first time, I was like, yeah, no, this is what I want. This is where I want to be. I sort of always knew there was more to life than Norwich in a, in a way that I love Norwich. I, my parents are still there. I literally came from there yesterday. 
Um, and I love going home to visit them. I love, I just love that city. It's a beautiful, beautiful, quiet place and clean and um, yeah, just wonderful, safe and everything. Um, but it's it's just, it was just, it was too quiet for me. I think I always knew that there was more to life or, or like just there was more to see. Um, and so London was sort of calling for me very young age. And when I came here for the first time, like to move, uh, you know, I was petrified because I was going to drama school. I didn't have any money. So I think the cost of living like here is very different to Norwich, let me tell you that. Um, but I think I was fortunate again, and I was fortunate enough to basically get almost a job whilst I was working at the drama school. I, I, I sort of became an, like a, an honorary caretaker at the same time. So all, all the teachers would hire me to do little jobs and they'd pay me out of their own you know, pocket. So I was doing people's gardening at the weekends and I was sort of buffering the floors at the school and painting walls, whatever I could do to get, you know, to get myself going. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I love London. Uh, it's, it's, it's home. And I, I, as I say, I sort of always knew that it would be one day. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you left drama school, what was it like trying to break into the industry? Did you have side hustles? Um, I hate that word. <laughs> side, side jobs, part-time jobs, another job. Again, I, I, I was one of the lucky ones to say that, no, I, I left drama school early. So I, I think I'd signed with my agent in the, like the January of my final year at drama school. And I'm not kidding. I, 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 I was sort of auditioning four, four or five times a week initially. And six months went by with me auditioning that much. And, you know, slowly but surely, the, 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 audi- the amount of auditions that were coming in were sort of dwindling. Six months of rejection, 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 which I know is, you know, nothing in comparison to a lot of actors who, who go through years and years yeah. of it. But I think the amount I was auditioning and the fact that there was like very little to say for it, I, I was a little, you know, humbled, uh, I, I should say. Until someone finally took a, a chance on me, and you know, get, getting that job, sort of just before the end of my my school year, and leaving early, and I think my first day of filming ever was on my birthday of the year two thousand and nine, and it was surrounded by actors that I'd admired and adored my entire life. And Haley Atwell was playing my sister. I remember her holding my hand saying, it's going to be okay. I was like, okay, okay. That so, was in the Pillars of Earth. The Pillars it? of the Earth, Which, yeah. It was on Channel 4 in, in the UK. That's right. That was that was what, that was, yeah, t- over 10 years ago now, which is mad. So what was that like the first time on set? Was that the first time you'd been on a set? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd never, I'd never, I, I never grew up thinking that TV and film. I, again, the conversation I had with my dad was that like, I'm going to be an actor. Mm. He thought that meant musical theatre. I thought it meant musical theatre. I didn't know that TV and film was an option. I didn't know that people could do that for a living. Like, I didn't know that was a job. Um, when I first sort of started auditioning, and they were like, "Oh, there's for a film," I'm like, "Oh, oh, so like." I mean, like a proper, like in the cinema film, you know, I, I didn't really understand what that meant. I didn't, I had got a little bit of experience of like how filmmaking works through mm. drama school, but didn't really 
understand it properly. And I'll never forget reading like what what's known as the sides. So that the scenes that you're shooting on, on a particular day on a, on a film set, you get the sides that that morning. And I remember reading the sides and learning the sides like it was a script or a play, you know. And and anyone that's been in the theatre will tell you that what is written on the page is like gospel. You know, it's, it's it's the Bible. You you live by it. You breathe it. You say those words, and you understand who your character is based on the words that you say. And I'll, I'll never forget kind of walking on the set for the first time, going. These are the words. So this is who my character is. This is where I've come from. This is where I'm going. This is my action. This is, and then them going, oh no, we're going to cut that line. We're going to cut this line. We're going to cut this line, uh, and then me realizing that the room that was written on the page wasn't the same as it looks. You know, I was like, well, where, where, where's the pornography that says? Because <laughs> the character, my character, has come in, and there was a priest that had like a wall of pornography. And I was like, where's the pornography that I put? I push him against the wall at this moment. They're like, no, 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 no. He's going to be on the other side of the room. Uh, Haley is going to come in and she's going to do that. I was like, okay, but it says that I then threaten him with a sword. <laughs> They're like, no, no, we're going to cut that. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was completely lost. I was yeah. so confused, so baffled, bewildered. Um, but again, this is when Haley was like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> just, just, just take direction. People will tell you where to stand and what to say. Uh, and that's basically what I do for a living. <laughs> so, yeah. And you moved quite quickly from not only TV, but you starred in some big blockbuster films. What was that like in terms of the kind of the British scene or, or British TV um, and theatre and then going into, you know, slightly more Hollywood films? And, and if there feels like there's a difference? There, there was definitely a huge step up. Yeah. But, uh, um, I'll, I'll never forget my, my, like, first audition for... Pirates of the Caribbean, and I, I remember calling my mum afterwards and and sort of saying, "I just I just auditioned for one of those pirates movies." She's like, "How, how did it go?" I was like, "Well, I'm never going to get it." So like, it's, it's, I just I just didn't ever think that it was possible. Um, and so even when I kind of got out to Hawaii where we were shooting, which you know, in and of itself is is yes, insane. I'll never forget being sat. It, during the script read through, and Johnny Depp was to my right, and Penelope Cruz was on my left, <laughs> and me just going like, "What? What is happening? Like, well, this is, you know, I was. It was a p- pinch me moment every every five seconds. Yeah. I was shooting on a pirate ship in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> off the island of Hawaii. Um, I, yeah, it was. It was just crazy. It was crazy. What a time um, to be alive. But I, I got. I got opportunities to sit down with the writers. You know. And had I been more creatively uh, uh, um, confident, you know, they, they sat me with the writers and they were like, you know, how do you feel about the script? How do you feel about your character? Is there anything you'd like to change or add? I was like, no, I'm just happy to be here. You know, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do anything you ask. Like, I'll say whatever you say. You know, I, I was just so a deer in headlights. Yeah. And I look back at those experiences now going, I wish I had the confidence within myself to sort of say, no, no, do you know what? I would like to just tweak this or I I think this would make it a little bit more creatively fulfilling for me. But I I, I was in my element, like fresh out of drama school and and, and working with heroes of mine. I mean, it's it's a dream come true, really. And you were then cast as the kind of the romantic lead, not kind of, the romantic lead in Me Before You and Love Rosie. Um, And I wondered... 
you know, what was that like, I guess, being cast as the leading man um, seems ideal, but I'm sure it also comes with pressures. I mean, not only uh, physically, but, you know, I'm sure you have to adhere to a, a certain type of beauty. But also, was there ever a fear of perhaps being typecast or were you just happy to be in a rom-com? I'm just happy. I'm just really happy doing what I love and, yeah. and being paid for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I honestly, I... I, I I have so many friends from drama school who haven't had these opportunities. So like like things like me before you working with, uh, you know, uh, an acclaimed theatre director, Thea Sharrock, who I've admired, you know, on stage uh, watching her work and working with uh, Amelia, working on great material, working on great books, but like working with really solid, like deep characters that there was sort of, room to explore and learn more, not only about the, you know, the, the story, but like kind of just quadriplegic, like life, uh, like mm. just kind of learning about that. Like the, the gift of what I do is that I get to explore worlds that I wouldn't normally explore yeah. or have the opportunity to explore. And honestly, that was one of the most eye-opening experiences. And there, there was a there was a guy who was sort of like a, I say consultant, but he, he he's someone who had, who is quadriplegic, who had kind of lived the life of, of, of like, Will almost um, and sort of witnessed people that had been to Dignitas. Um, and he was sort of on set and sort of being able to, having the opportunity to quiz him on like, his experience of being in a wheelchair. And, yeah. you know, it, it was just, it was just like, um, it's, it's, yeah, I'm very, I'm very lucky to, be able to kind of say, oh, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this. But like people live these lives and experience this on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I, I get to just wear a hat for a couple of couple of weeks yeah. and pretend. But yeah, I think that there's sort of real raw and, 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 and sort of um, eye-opening experiences that I, you know, that I've, I've lived and breathed for a few weeks. But then I get to kind of move on and go to the next thing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that next thing is Daisy Jones and the Six, in which you play Billy Dunn, um, which is an adaptation of Taylor Jenkins Reid's best-selling novel. And it's based on this fictional band. And when I was watching it, it felt very much like a love letter to the music scene in L.A. in the 70s. I wanted to ask, first and foremost, how uh, musical are you? You know, how was the training for that? Um, like, Because you sing in this. I do. I do sing in and this. And you sing well. I don't know about that. <laughs> you do? I, I, we, we were talking about like hearing yourself and going, oh my God, I sound so much deeper than I, I, I like, uh, you know, I, I remember. But like, I, I think I have a real issue of watching myself on screen, like first and foremost. Mm. I'm, a ter- I'm a terrible actor in, in the way that I, I can't bear to look at myself. But this, I wasn't only looking at myself, I was also listening to myself for the first time. Uh, and anyone who's listened to their own voicemail will be able to tell you that there's something <laughs> about hearing your own voice. And at times during the recording of the, the music, you know, I, I was forced to listen to myself without the music itself. And so I was just hearing my voice naked without it. And oh, my gosh, that that's that's a rude awakening right there. Um, <laughs> I, I never. So I'm sorry for everyone's ears uh, already. But look, I, I'd done musicals growing up, mm-hmm. as I'd mentioned that that is like the limit to to that was as far as my musical experience had gone. I'd never played an instrument instrument in my life, so I I got asked to audition with a nineteen seventies rock song 
prepare a 1970s rock song. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I know any 1970s. <laughs> and I, I went on to Apple Music and like put a playlist, like 1970s rock songs, you know. <laughs> and it, it came up. I was like, no, that's too high. That's too high. Can't sing that. That's too high. Don't know the lyrics to this. And then I saw Elton John's Your Song, which if, if you know the song, is the most unrock and roll 1970s rock song. <laughs> yeah. It's a ballad. It's it's a beautiful song, but like it's not rock and roll, I wouldn't say. Um, and some Elton John songs are, but that one just isn't up there. But I, I prepared that song because I was like, that's in my range. Yeah, I, I know the lyrics. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll do this. I went in and they were like, hmm, hmm. Th- uh, thank you for, <laughs> for preparing that. And they came in, they started playing Come Together by the Beatles. I was like, oh, he said, like, do you know this song? Like, Come Together. I was like, yes, Michael Jackson. So, uh, the Beatles. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> So that's how far I, I needed to come on this journey. I, I, my, my education was very lackluster. I'd heard of Fleetwood Mac, you know, and I knew all their lyrics to all of their songs. I knew because my mum and dad used to have the tape cassette, but I wasn't sure what the name of the band was. I didn't know <laughs> who was in the band, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, there, there was a whole musical education that, mm. that came with this, this role. And, and obviously learning a guitar, learning how to sort of sing or record music. Um, the first time I'd been in a recording studio was for my audition, you know, and like, they were like, you need to s- s- get close to the mic. And, <laughs> I, you know, all of that, I, I came on a, a hell of a journey, <laughs> for sure. What was it like being transported back to that time period? Because it's it's really visually beautiful, that show as well. You know, you've got the costumes, it's the vibe. There is like a hedonism in the air that is contagious. You know, you I've taken screenshots of people's outfits being like, I yeah. need to find that. That looks gorgeous. Um, so what was it like being on set and, and having that? Well, I, I mean, exactly that. I mean, I think I think there, there was a documentary that came out during... Um, the lockdowns uh, about Laurel Canyon and uh, the, the kind of music scene in the 70s, uh, which literally was the story that we were telling, you know. So this this documentary came out and they had all these images and videos of that time, that era. Um, and I, I suppose watching and learning kind of like videos of, of, of musicians being, you know, being musicians <laughs> back in those days, like there's something about, that time that mm. I, I I wish I lived in LA of that in that era. Yeah. Like, it's, there's something so romantic and and magical about it. And the way and the way that the musicians talk during this documentary talk about life in the, the canyons, like you can turn around and there's like candles all the way. People have, and you just hear acoustic guitars being played in the middle. And there's just darkness, but with a candle lit all the way up these mountains. Like the, the way they talk about it, you mm. just, you're like, wow, I wish I lived the, lived this. And going on the set every day and seeing everyone in those costumes, I, I, I don't know, man. It, it's just, it, it, I'm, I'm so, I feel so fortunate and so lucky to be a part of it and, and to kind of, say that I lived and breathed it for a little while, for, yeah. for like, you know, close to a year. Um, but, you know, not only that, like just just the the, the kind of sets and like the the, the sort of cans of, of beer or fake beer that they would have on set. Yeah. Just everything, every detail was so well thought out and, and well executed by like the, the incredible designers. Um, 
that it just it just really made you fall in love. Yeah. Uh, the cars of that era, yeah. you know, everything, everything. It's just it was a blessing. I wonder if sometimes as well, it's it's kind of this nostalgia for for a time period that no longer exists. In the sense that, you know, it seems very much people are living in the moment. It's very much a a show of uh, dreaming and possibilities and and the realm of what is possible if, if you love a creation yeah. um, in a world that perhaps with social media and the internet feels increasingly different, if if you know what I mean. I, I, I think that's it, though. I think, you know, again, the way, the way they talk about, like, oh, we heard a guitar, so we walked to our neighbour's house and we all just had, like, a sing-along. Yeah. It just doesn't... You, you text people now, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's... It's. I'm fortunate enough to have lived in a generation where I, I remember my childhood was predominantly without phones. Yeah. And someone, someone, was, I was talking to uh, someone only last night. It was like, you know, do you like punctuality? Are you punctual? And I was like, yeah, yeah like, but I'm from a generation where you had to be because you couldn't text yeah, you could. someone to say I'm going to be late. You had to be there on time, or someone else was going to be standing in the cold mm. expecting you to be there. Like. I think I think social media has just made us lazier in in the way that we communicate in the way that we function, you know. And I've got I've got kids, so like for me, I, I'll never forget my little boy being two or just over two, and him saying, "Daddy, can I watch The Lion King?" We were on holiday, and we were in a house that didn't that had Wi-Fi but didn't have a television. So I was like, "No, you can't." And he had a fit. I was like, it's crazy because <laughs> in my day, you were lucky if The Lion King played once a year yeah. on Channel 4 <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday, you know, like it's it's whereas now it's everything is just so accessible. And that's that's wonderful. It is wonderful in so many ways. But it's also made us, you know, if it, I, I remember the days of going going out for a drink and, and someone goes, what's that film that person's in? And everyone tries to sort of brainstorm. Yeah, just, and now you just Google for a yeah. second. You're like, oh, it's this. And you're like, oh, there was so something true. fun about everyone trying to find the answer to things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that era, it by no means was the last era to enjoy that that kind of time. But I think after the Vietnam War, especially in America, I think there was like a... The young the young people had a voice or wanted to be heard, mm. and they they did that through the music. Um, so the the music scene, like the seventies, definitely brought this this huge. Uh, there was a huge awakening of new music and a, a new sound because people, like the young people, were just desperate to be heard and 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 kind of a very anti-war and free love and. You know, I, I, whether we'll ever have that again, I don't know. I yeah. hope so. I hope. I hope it's not. You know, it's not the end of it. But I wonder if there were any parts of Billy that you particularly uh, connected with. And and I was thinking, you know, when I was watching it, <clears throat> perhaps life on the road can be lonely. I mean, you must travel a lot for work. Uh, also, the the repercussions of of your job is that fame comes with it, or you know, it's a it's a part of the job. And whether you connected with any of those parts of the show in particular, th- th- there's huge amounts of similarities between myself and the character. And I, I, I think I think this is one of the the first times I've ever done a job, and I felt like really authentically connected, like where where there were conversations my character was having. On screen, I'm like, oh no, I've said this exact thing in my life or with this person or that person. There, there are crossroads or, or decisions that uh, Billy has to make that I'm like, no, nah, I've been here, I've been here, or, or something someone says to me, and 
you know, I, I, Billy didn't have to cry, but all of a sudden, like remembering something, I'm, I'm all of a sudden I started crying. You know, it's just I, I felt very connected in a way that I, when I first read it. I obviously saw that I was, and I was so hindered by the amount of musical experience. This guy was a creative genius in that respect. And that's something I cannot get on board with at all. And I think there's a line where Cammy Dunn says, uh, you know, to be a musician, you have to be, you know, you have to have an ego. And that is so not me. I can't bear the sound of my voice. I can't bear to look at myself on screen. And Billy is someone who enjoys his own voice, you know? <laughs> so there, there are aspects where we, we differ, but the similarities are just like the way that he, yeah, there's the struggles of life, the fear of being a dad. Uh, I, I think any new parent has lived that at least once in their, you know, their, their, their kind of life. Um, the, the, the fear of just not being accepted and, and, and like, uh, abandonment issues like that there I, I i feel like i've got yeah i've got that in spades so yeah i i i've never felt that connected to a character and and, and despite having to put on an accent and pretend you know i'm american i i really felt like it was just kind of i'm putting myself out there which was you know kind of now a point in my life where i'm like okay that's, this is what i want to do this more because this felt therapeutic for me it felt like my therapy it felt like I was able to kind of yeah just be open and honest for a change rather than pretending yeah. uh, for, which is what I do for a living but you know I, I, I think I've spent my entire career up to this point trying to be other people and now I'm like no and this is that this was the help of the the lockdown as well mm. um, everyone went on their own individual journeys but like yeah. there was a lot of self-reflection in my life especially and I, I went for a very very low moment in my life and coming out of that and then being able to channel that in a character uh, I was like sugar yeah this 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 is this there's something in this this is something this is what I want to do for the rest of my career I want I want to be able to and I, I suppose there's also that thing of being a bit older and having lived a little longer going okay no I I'm, I'm done with playing the boy to man story. I'm like, no, I, I, I'm someone who's lived a life now and been through heartbreak and been through, you know, the bottom of the barrel, um, had struggles. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm kind of ready to share that with the world in a way. Um, so this, this is my music, you know, singers do it in their music, mm. writers do it in their novels, um, actors. Yeah. I'm now ready to put that in my work. Yeah. And you can tell it's a, it's not only a, a meaty role, but it's um, it's a really beautiful program, and um, you definitely do yourself justice. Well, it's it's a wonderful story. Like Taylor Jenkins Reid, you know, she's a, she's an absolute master. She knows how to write. A she story. knows how to write. <laughs> yeah, like she she's uh, like she's crafted not only like not only Billy, but like all of the characters are so mm. relatable to me. Uh, and you know. Being set in the 70s doesn't change the fact that you can relate to all of these characters and all of their struggles and all of their, you know, relationship issues, especially. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th I think that that's what makes it so kind of sparkling as, as a series. Like, I think I think it doesn't matter. It's timeless almost. I, one of the things that really stuck with me um, that I really liked was it also felt very much like it was giving a voice to women in terms of the creativity and um, there's this sense that the women in the story refute this idea that they must be the muse and that they can be somebody themselves yeah. and I wondered what are your thoughts on that element of the show you know and obviously it's called 
Daisy Jones and the Six. So, you know, it, it felt really nice because I feel sometimes actually that narrative can be lost or, or we, we concentrate a lot on perhaps the life of, of a well-known male singer, but it, we don't normally get, as as viewers also, these really strong, really quirky female characters as well. Well, especially of the time, you know, mm. women back in the 70s still didn't have a voice as yeah. much as they do now. You know, they, they did, but like not as much as they do now, you know? And, and I think every female character in the series, from Simone to Daisy to Camilla to, to Karen... Every single character that is female is is so strong yeah. um, and and has a voice and different and, as well, not just strong. so different, and, but like so supportive of one another. There, there's like an understanding, and and I think that's what again is what I'm saying about like it being so relatable and so valid today. Like it's it's like how are we still having this? Even still having this conversation. Yeah, like, the course. fact that we're having this conversation means that there's still work to be done. But the fact is. What I love about this series is it celebrates that. You know, what I love about Hello Sunshine as a, as a, as a production company, that Reese Witherspoon's mm. company, is they celebrate women and, like, put them on that pedestal yeah. and lift them up. And, and I think this story just elevates it even more. Um, like, it's, it's a question I get asked a lot, actually, about, like, women in film and, and TV. I've been so lucky to say that I'd say about a solid 50% at least of the directors that I've worked with have been female. Yeah. 50% of them have been women-led and me being like a more than that actually. I think most of the films I am in I'm like the supporting part to the female. And I, I you know so it's very difficult to me say oh no women that under unrepresented or you know not represented as well as men. I'm like no in my in my experience <laughs> yeah. It's the other way around, you know, and I'm 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 all for it. Like my mum is is my hero. Like she she was the you know she was she was the sort of mothership. Uh, she was she was the the one who the breadwinner in my household. I've got f- three brothers, so it's four boys and my dad, and she was the one you know the one looking after all of us. Yeah, and it's it's so I I have this warped. Maybe I have this warped reality, or maybe not. Maybe other people have a warped reality, thinking that it's different. But my, 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 from my viewpoint, women are exactly where they need to be in a way that, in my life, they are top of the list. You know, um, and I, I'm I'm grateful to have that viewpoint. I have a daughter, so for me, yeah, and she definitely rules the roost. <laughs> she is she is the boss. She is the she is in charge of not only myself but my my little boy. She is. The youngest in the household, but my God, she's the loudest. And I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm here for it every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I feel very, I feel, I feel very lucky to be a, a part of like a, a series that that does this. And you know, I feel grateful to work with women that, uh, uh, you know, paving the way and paving the way. And, and this, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just that that is my life, and I, you know, I, I'm grateful for it. Wow, surrounded by strong women. We love to see it. This is it. This is the dream. Well, Sam, thank you very much for coming on the Radio Times podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Radio Times podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If there's a guest you'd love to hear us interview, a programme you've heard us talk about that has marked your life, or any other thoughts you'd like to share, please do write in to podcast at radiotimes.com. Please also remember to rate, review and subscribe.